Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Kugelman, Senior Associate for South Asia at the Wilson Center. I'm here with Kate Clark, co-director of the Afghanistan Analysts Network. For this conversation, we'll be discussing the terrible campaign of target killings playing out in Afghanistan in recent months. This is a country that has already been reeling from intensifying violence associated with an ongoing insurgency and also from ISIS terrorist attacks. But in recent weeks, it seemed like practically every day there's at least one blast in Kabul and those targeted are so often members of society, journalists, judges, democracy activists, some have been women. So Kate, uh, you were a uh, BBC correspondent in Afghanistan for several years during the era of Taliban rule. You've seen a lot of rough things in Afghanistan. How, do you, how does this target killing campaign compare to what's happened in the past? And also how are Afghans processing something like this? Because from a psychological standpoint, it must be just terrifying, especially for civil society, knowing it's always in the crosshairs. Yeah, it actually most reminds me of uh, late 80s, early 90s in Peshawar in Pakistan, which is where many Afghan refugees were then living and uh, sort of public intellectuals, so journalists, human rights activists, women, women's rights activists were assassinated. Then it was to do with jockeying for power over who would who would be taking charge in Kabul. Um, and a lot of the killings were um, attributed to um, Hizb Islami with um, ISI backing and some of the other Mujahideen groups as well. But that sort of targeted campaign against the sort of people who will be critical, I mean, these days, critical not only of the Taliban, but also of the government, independent, awkward people, the sort of people that... Um, I would say actually rather a bigger threat to the Taliban than some of the the major old Mujahideen leaders who may compromise with them. Um, it's more difficult to see some of the, the, the journalists and the human rights defenders uh, compromising with the Taliban. They're more independently minded. So I think, I mean, that's why I think this is important because obviously, you know, people are getting killed, 10,000 casualties of civilians injured and, and killed in, in the conflict every year. Hmm. This, this is why these people, um, it's not that they're more important than other people, but what they do is important. Um, and I, I, I mean, for you, looking at the, at the, the, the violence across the country, what, what have you thought about it? And, and also what the government's response? Yeah, I mean, what, what I find so so tragic is that, um, you know, as I said before, I think this is these target killings are playing out against the backdrop of intensifying violence in many different fronts and many different levels. Um, you know, the fact that you know, the Taliban uh, is ramping up violence in order to strengthen its bargaining position in what is a very fragile peace process. The fact that, you know, you have groups like ISIS that are continuing to carry on attacks. Um, it's all happening at the worst possible time, in other words. But I feel that you can say that in so many different contexts uh, in Afghanistan over the years. Um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of the government response, what's been striking to me is that um, there hasn't really been much of a response. And you know, I know that there's been a lot of concerns among those that are targeted and vulnerable that they're not receiving the security and the protection that they feel they deserve uh, from, from the government. And you know, I have not seen, unless I'm missing something, I have not seen cases of government um, officials uh, giving speeches to try to provide reassurance. Uh, it's not like Ashraf Ghani or any other cabinet minister has been uh, speak, giving uh, statements to the nation, calling for calm, offering reassurance, offering a path forward. 
And I guess I turn the question back to you as to why why that's the case, unless I'm, I'm I'm overstating it here. But I think that makes things all the more troubling and and scary for the Afghan public when they don't see their leadership making any effort to try to, you know, chart out a plan or at least provide reassurance. All that this government has been doing is condemning the violence, but obviously that's not enough. Yeah, it's difficult for them. You know, Kabul Kabul's a really big city, and it's a it's not it's not been a very stable city since two thousand and one. I mean, actually, for the last forty years, there's been so much population movement. You may not know your neighbours anymore. You don't have the old neighbourhoods. Uh, you've you know around the periphery, you've got a lot of uh, sort of semi-official settlements. Um, people with one foot in the countryside and one foot in the city. So it, it is a difficult place, and. Policing has been horrible since 2001, um, with a lot of, you know, crossover in terms of uh, what criminals do and what police allow them to do. Um, so I think, you know, Kabul wasn't really wasn't really very strong before this, and then when you get these, you know, deliberate attempts to kill people, deliberate intentional attacks on individuals. It, it, it's it's difficult to to see what can be done, and of course, if you're a big player, you have your concrete blocks, you have your armed guards, you have your armored cars, and if you're a particularly if you're not a very well paid journalist or human rights defender, it it's you, it's you in the city, mm -hmm. um, and that makes it really really difficult. And I would say, it seems to be absolutely that the Taliban are the main perpetrators, given yeah. Given the patterns in the war, I mean, we've written about this, but uh, on right. my website, if people want to check that out for more. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Kate. This is great.